Hello, hello. Glad to have you guys back. My name is Anwar Cannon. I'm your gracious host. This is the sixth episode of the Denzel Financial Podcast. It's called The Power of Leadership and Influence. And today we have a very special guest, entrepreneur, alongside my other team partners as well. So on my left side, I have Mr. Gerald Rogers, CEO and founder of Trinity Capital Advisors. Now, just to kind of give a little bit of introduction about Jerry right here. That's how I call him, Jerry. You know, he's a great friend of mine. Jerry is a guy that really embodies confidence. He embodies swag and he embodies, you know, the power of persuasion. And those are very important qualities that he's going to talk about alongside how they relate to leadership and influencing your company and people that work under you. Glad to have you, Jerry. How's it going? Good, 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 Anwar. Glad to be here. Glad to be a guest. Thanks for Welcome to me. the Denzel Financial Podcast, man. Thanks so much for having me again. I um, want to uh, just briefly ex uh, express uh, my gratitude of uh, being here as a, as a guest and um, speak a little bit about my background. Um, my humble beginnings uh, started on Wall Street uh, back prior to the subprime. And uh, it was a tough time, and I had to make a name for myself early on because it's such a competitive landscape. Um, that involved, obviously, cold calling and calling high net worth prospect investors. And from there, I learned the power of connection in terms of you know, how to relate to people, how to understand the not only art of persuasion, but overall the communication factor of how to obviously execute and come across to a point where, obviously, you know, whatever product I was pushing, it was stock at the time, um, to be successful at it. So over the course of the few years that I was there, I noticed the platform had changed to private, private small companies that were looking for capital, tech companies at the time when Silicon Valley was making a name for himself, uh, the Facebooks, um, the Amazons obviously was making a rise. And at that point, I found myself developing a company called Trinity Capital Advisors. Me and a few other partners had developed the company from its infrastructure and its uh, early stages from working with small companies that created that very uh, perception where um, these companies, whether they wanted just straight capital for further exposure of their tech to bring it to revenue or bring it to the public market. Now, where I found uh, leadership came in play was obviously in order to be taken seriously, you need to obviously have confidence, right? So confidence is key, and if you're not confident of what you're pr you know, presenting, no one's gonna take you seriously. So obviously that comes with experience. You need to know your product, you need to know what you're actually relating to in terms of you know, the information, so you need to sound competent. And over the course of years, it was humble beginnings because it was a trial and error. I had mentors that were doing it well, so you know, I didn't have to kind of bang my head and fall and get back up and fall again they gave me the roadmap and I was able to just guide myself throughout that roadmap. And what I found in terms of the leadership was involved is that as I was executing and getting these private companies public, that's when the confidence came because ultimately everybody says when they do something, I can do it and they believe in themselves. So that belief had drove me to that catalyst where you know, I started you know, developing bigger and better things for myself and for the company. Hey, that's I definitely like that, man. I love it. It's, it's a great intro about your company, especially what you touched upon with leadership. And believe it or not, I learned a lot from this guy, man. We used to work together, you know, when it comes to persuasion, leadership, confidence. 
I learned a lot from him. His, he was like a mentor to me when we used to work together. So it's really important that you guys understand the gems that he's about to drop. Now, Rami and Charles, what do you guys have to say about leadership? Well, you know, leadership is very crucial to a young professional because it really could change the course of your own professional career is who is leading you, who is teaching you the fundamentals of your field, your market. As Jerry, you mentioned, one of the most important things was to know your market or to know your product. And a lot of times when you're starting in a new market or in a new field of expertise, you don't, you're not as knowledgeable as you are going to be. You're at your least knowledgeable point, and that really is a time where leadership can mold you. So to me, leadership is somebody that can mold your interests or mold your passions into becoming possible and monetizing it. That, to me, is good leadership. You have to be able to monetize your passions. And somebody that can help you do that is key, as Jerry mentioned. Great answer, man. I really like it. Hey, this is Charles. Um, so pretty much just answering everybody's, um, I guess, answer to what is leadership. For me, is first off, you have to ask yourself, as being in a form of um, management, I would say, um, is knowing the type of leader that you are. I think that's an important key in being or even considering yourself to be a leader because one thing that it takes to be a leader is not necessarily you having the necessarily aspect of you calling yourself a leader, but you influencing the team that you have, the individuals that you work with that basically can come to you, consider you a leader without actually having the the quote-unquote title of leader. What I mean by that is saying that, example, if, I'm the guy that's in charge or the girl that's in charge. I have a team that I basically have to manage. I, my team has to feel comfortable around me, number one. How that, how that happens is, number one, you have to allow your team to feel free. I think a lot of times we've all worked in the corporate structure. A lot of people in the audience understand that. You've dealt with different various managers, excuse me, and their leadership styles. Some management or micromanagers, that's one thing that I've, I know you guys have heard that term, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Also, there's other individuals that are that there are managers that literally don't give any type of management or leadership qualities or exemplify any leadership qualities. So I think it's pretty much just understanding the type of leader that you are. Not everybody is a leader. That's another thing that you have to understand. There are the key components of a leader and manager I will let um, Anwar and Jerry speak more on that and uh, Rami as well. But there are the difference between a leader and a manager and or boss, as a lot of people will say. But um, pretty much in short, being a leader is being having the ability to influence uh, your team and others around you. Excellent touch points, Charles. Thank you so much for your answer. So um, this discussion is kind of it's going to talk about some of the key points that we learned from the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have read that book or at least heard of it. And so one of the key points that he talks about as a leader is being a good listener. You know, like not just hearing what your team or the people that work under you are telling you, but actually listening to them and taking action. What do you have to say about it, Jerry? It's a good question, Anwar. So as of Charles um, was stating, um, it's the power of influence. Um, Dale Carnegie touches on a few points, and others have actually piggybacked off it. There's one individual by the name of Robin Sharma. He has a book called The Leader with No Title. 
a lot of people like the title of being called boss or being called manager or even being called CEO, mm -hmm. but they don't have the number one compassion. They don't have the emotional intelligence. They don't have the acumen even mm -hmm. to express that leadership role. So Absolutely. listening is the number one skill because everyone has a voice. And I believe the voice is a common language, even though it's universal, we might communicate differently based on our backgrounds and culture. But a laugh, I believe, is a universal language that everyone can understand. Right. A laugh exemplifies or expresses good, you know, uh, you know, good behavior or, you know, just something funny or something amicable where, you know, a laugh is better than a frown or a cry because a laugh is an emotional state where you're happy about something. So when it comes to someone actually speaking or your, uh, you know, your staff, in my case, as a CEO, I have individuals on a level that, you know, they go through the grind. And you know what I mean, Anwar, yeah. everybody knows what I mean. Um, going in every day, punching somebody else's clock and then dreading your manager that comes by who is going to either micromanage you or ask you, why are you so long in the bathroom? And th these are tedious things that no person wants to go through. They want to enjoy <laughs> exactly. their job. They want to enjoy exactly. going to work. And sometimes these managers are the very ones that make you hate your job, even though the job itself can be a fantastic employment. That's so, a fact. <laughs> so, so that manager has to have good listening skills. Example, if someone comes to you, and, and I had this example, one of my you know, reps came to me and he said, Jerry, I'm having some personal problems. Tell me a little bit about it. Not looking at that rep as a dollar sign in any event if he has to miss work and that he's dispensable and I'll just replace him. No, your employees become a party almost like family because truth be told, you're around your employees and mm -hmm. your job longer than you are with your family. You spend eight hours at your job. Every day. F 40 hours a week. I spend more time at work than I do with my family and I have four boys and a wife. Absolutely. So of course there has to be some sort of connection. If you don't feel that connection from your boss, you're gonna feel a disconnect. And after a while, those times where you wanna express yourself will just fall on deaf ears because he's not listening well. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, when Dale Carnegie mentions listening, you know, a lot of people just listen to, listen to come back with something versus really listening. And I'm gonna say this and end with it. Um, anybody, you know, you guys see the white man can't jump, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson, yeah. right? Um, there's a part where they're in that uh, drop top catalog, uh -huh. right? <laughs> and then he says, he puts on, Woody Harrison puts on, um, I believe it was uh, Jimi Hendrix, right? And then Woody's jamming it, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and then Wesley Snipes said, what do you know about Jimi Hendrix? He said, I, I listen to him all the time. He said, are you listening to Jimi or are you hearing Jimi? <laughs> there's a difference. So what I'm saying is that, are you listening actively? Or are you really hearing them? Because it takes an emotional state for your ears to connect with your mind to understand what they're actually saying and to connect to an emotional state. I believe all those faculties are involved with listening. And those are great points about listening and how key that could be as a leader. Because as, as Charles mentioned, there's a difference between being a boss, which as a manager or somebody who has a title, and being a leader. And as you guys just touched upon listening, I can really, I feel like a boss is somebody who just cares about the, whatever team he's managing meeting their goals. A boss just cares about making sure the job gets done, exactly. doesn't matter how he gets there. Meanwhile, a leader is somebody who cares about their team and that the, the entity as a whole is healthy. 
And Absolutely. that all begins with listening to your employees, making them feel like they each matter. Because what an, to me, something I've noted from a lot of people that I've talked to is that one of the biggest things an employee wants is some form of autonomy. They don't have to be the boss, but they want to feel like they're not being micromanaged. Right. Like they have some sort of capability of being human and making decisions without being reprimanded. And to me, all that begins with a boss that takes the time to care enough to ask, why did this happen or why do you need this? You know, that really goes a long way, taking the moment to care. Mm -hmm. And that really separates a leader from a boss. Awesome answer, Rami. A lot of takeaways from it, as well as you, Jerry. My guy's already starting to drop knowledge. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's never too early for that. So um, there's one specific passage in the book, How to Influence, How to Influence and Influence People, where Dale Carnegie basically interacts with a doctor. His name is Dr. Dewey. And one thing that Dr. Dewey said that kind of stuck with me is that the deepest urge in humans is the desire to be important. So let that sink in for a minute. As a leader or a boss, when you know that, if you're making it seem like you're the most important person in the room, then that's not a great leadership style that doesn't motivate your team. But if you're making it seem like your team, the people that are under you, are the most important people, they are the ones, they are the heroes of the company, mm -hmm. I would say, then just imagine how much growth and development you could see from that basically just making people feel important by being genuine and really showing that you care and being honest what are your thoughts about that I'm gonna speak on this and then Jerry I'm gonna let you uh, uh, speak on it as well but for me basically again um, just piggybacking off of what I kind of described before was again when you are a leader um, it has to feel natural you have to as as a individual that's maybe under the manager, the CEO, whatever the position is, that expresses that form of leadership, you have to have the people want to galvanize towards you, want to feel important. Um, a leader is doesn't hesitate to take risk. I think uh, when it's a boss, a boss is usually uh, influenced through the society norm. And when I say society's norm, instead of being in the corporate structure, a lot of bosses never want to make mistakes. So they always want to take the brunt of, um, you know, the work. Um, and the thing is, how is an individual supposed to learn if you're the one always taking on all the work, uh, literally micromanage the individual, the person can't even feel comfortable when they sit in, uh, you know, next to you or by you, whatever the case is, can't ask you the right questions because, again, you belittle the individual. And I say this to say this because, at the end of the day, um, we've all been there where we basically deal with, um, quote-unquote, type of bosses like that. So for me, is like I said, being a leader, uh, you you let you you're not afraid to make mistakes. You're not afraid to challenge challenge people because again, there's always going to be someone that's always going to come in and fill the next role in terms of being a leader. There's always an individual that once you the person that you're training, the person that you're influencing through that leadership style, can other evolve from learning that or basically in terms of or basically just disintegrate and what I mean by that is basically saying some of the best leaders cultivate some of the best future leaders that follow and I for a lot of individuals that are basically don't get that experience it kind of cripples them in the long term um, I think of you can think of presidents that's come along where 
there's certain presidents. Obviously, I, we don't speak on political affiliations here, but I'm just saying I'm using that to say that there's certain presidents that when we listen to that individual, him or her, there are other female presidents in this world, too, that when we hear their messages, when we hear their style of leadership, we feel empowered. We feel like I can do this. We feel like, yes, the message that they're portraying to us, that we understand the message that, yes, we together can literally you know, succeed in whatever the case that um, that person is displaying. Then you have that other type of quote-unquote president or presidents that basically, you know, it could be something where the individual is not, there's no real clear-cut direction. Everything is in a flux. So everything is literally in flames. So as 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 a individuals that basically look up to that president, you know, that, t that type of leader, quote-unquote, is there's no sense of direction. You don't really feel empowered. You feel like, Actually, I really want this guy to get out of here as soon as possible, whatever the case is. So, you know, as opposed to, you know, just feeling like, okay, like what this person's portraying to me, that's something that I want to follow. So, um, yeah. But, um, Jay, what are, what are your thoughts, you know, on that? Um, and I appreciate that talk because uh, you're, you're spot on um, when you talked about empowerment. I believe every leader was a good follower. In order for a leader to be a leader, they must be a good follower. I got to say it again, guys. In order <laughs> for you to be a good leader, you must be a good follower. And the first trait of being a good follower is humility. Humility will obviously cause you to take the high road. Humility will cause you to say, you know what, let me look at others' interests before our own, before my own. And this is what true leadership exonerates and ex exemplifies because a leader has to actually put his interest or the other people's interest, I should say, the rep's interest, the ones that are under, his in, uh, under him, his or her, his or her interest before his or hers. So by doing that, they have to understand that it takes, again, as we mentioned, a good listener. And it also causes an emotional intelligence and an intelligence to see what the weaknesses and the strengths of your reps or the ones that are under you. If you see their strengths, you will extract their strengths, pull out their strengths, and encourage them and empower them to push and do more. Because that's what a leader is for. They, they don't drive you, but they empower you. You'll see these memes on social media of a boss or a leader who's actually on top of a platform and having everybody else tugging while he's saying, drive and go. But a true leader is pulling in front of the rope and saying, let's go, guys, so that he's in the trenches. I've had bosses on Wall Street that were in their corner office and would come out every once in a while and say, guys, you're not doing enough. You're not working hard enough. He didn't see us working. He wasn't watching us working. On top of the fact, he doesn't know what we're going through if we're going through any, anything. Now, we obviously have to put our personal differences aside when we come to work. But sometimes we have heavy things. If there's, God forbid, a tragedy at the house or if we're going through something, you know, corporate society doesn't want to obviously address that because it's like a no se pa. It's like a don't do because if you get too close to these reps or individuals that are under you, you know, you might have an emotional attachment. And we understand that familiarity, you know, breeds contempt. So there is an equal balance. But those equal balance comes over a course of time where someone or a group of people can look at a leader and say to themselves, it's a great leader. And the true characteristics and qualities is first humility. He has compassion, he understands, he's intelligent. And at one point or another, he was a follower. Meaning what I'm asking you to do, I've done myself. 
I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done, and a lot of leaders will do that. They'll expect more of you than they can do themselves. And that's what obviously would deteriorate on their actual title because they're saying to themselves, well, why don't you do what I'm doing? And they won't do it and even have the track record to say you do it. So when I developed Trinity Capital Advisor, it was that same concept in mind. It was I grinded on the phone and made 800 dials and contacted investors and raised hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. If I can do it, you can do it too. There's no difference. It's just the work ethic that's involved. And this is what a leader does. It create, they create the framework to not only enjoy what you do, but obviously drive you. And the back end of everything, and I believe, and I tell this to Anwar and others like you, is money motivating. If you're in sales, sales is motivated with money, you know, incentives to make money. So if you say, hey, the next deal, you'll get $100, $500, you'll get more people to work harder, especially if you deliver on that. And I've had other corporations that will promise you the moon and the stars, but give you nothing in return yeah. because there's some stipulation involved. And that's what discourages. And the next time there's a, some sort of incentive, you know, they get discouraged. So as to, you know, piggyback or just to add to you, you know, it's, it's that empowerment. And to see their skill sets and to see their strengths and also their weaknesses and to work on their weaknesses, take them to places that they haven't, challenge them, hold them accountable. And obviously those people will appreciate you in the long run. I love I love all that that you just said, Jerry. While you while we just talked about how to motivate and how to empower your employees, you touched on the weaknesses and not every employee is, you know, a walk in the park or easy to to manage no matter how good of a leader you are. Sometimes you might have somebody unwilling to change. Of course. What do you guys have to say about like when you say you are a leader, how do you deal with an employee that maybe is hard to manage? How can you try to relate? That's open to anybody. Yeah. I would I would like to kind of give my answer first on that. Uh, Jerry kind of touched upon it as well. Like focus on the great aspects of someone because at the end of the day, we all have weaknesses. We all have things that we're not good at and that we're not proud of or we don't want people to know of. But at the end of the day, those things don't really matter if the things that you're good at can make you a superstar. Mm -hmm. If they can make if they can make you say things that will empower hundreds of people from 10 different countries, it doesn't matter, then you're a great person and you're doing a great job. That's, that's what I wanted to say, the fact that weaknesses don't really matter. And this is a very famous quote, basically saying that be hardy in your approbation and lavish in your praise. Mm. Meaning that, you know, at the end of the day, Keep praising people, no matter how, how bad they're doing, keep praising them, and you'll be surprised at how good of a result they'll start delivering. What do you have to say about that? For me, it's basically um, what you said, Anwar, basically having individuals and touch it upon, maybe for me, I'll say more so their strengths. Strengths are an important key component. You think of some of the best and the most innovative individuals when they built um, companies that you see in the Amazons, the Apples of the world, just to name a few, I could go down the line. Individuals that started it usually had a team that was, you know, they focused on their strengths. Uh, Steve Jobs was a visionary, as Wozniak was the coder, the creator. So I think that goes hand in hand. That is a form of leadership. The leader was, with that being Steve Jobs, in that sense, was able to see in the, the individual that was the developer to kind of use those strengths, 
however, however way he may have done it, as we've seen the movies, we've heard the stories, he did it. But the point to say is that is what became Apple now. When, for individuals that have businesses that are listening, individuals that are just working in, you know, a nine to five, doing both, you're just having to understand that, again, you are going to have to work with individuals that you're not going to like. Is that man when you manage individuals, you might not necessarily there will be individuals that might be a little bit more difficult than the others. But again, as you said, it's understanding who you're working with, understand how to utilize their strengths, how to develop on weaknesses. I think that's another thing. You can always develop somebody's weakness or and that but they have to be him or her has to be the individual willing to do that also to kind of get them to that next level that you see. But again, as a leader, you know it without even it being said. I think that's where some of the best right. leaders are showcase their talents. Um, I, I think of it as, I, I'm, I am a religious man, so I'll say God-given ability. Some, and leaders, leaders are, I believe leaders are born, but also is developed through the course of life, as in when you go through things. As he said, you start off as, you start off as a worker and then you become a boss. But during that process, is what you learn, those tools of the trade, as so to say, you know, that teach you how to basically develop, you know, into the right way. But again, like I said, it starts from somebody. You have to learn before you can grow. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I want you to kind of touch upon that, Jerry. He did mention the fact that as someone who's leading a team, you have to kind of know the people you're working with. So since you're leading a team at Trinity Capital, Capital Advisors mm -hmm. in New York, I just wanted to kind of know what you thought of it and like how do you manage your team at Trinity Capital? Right, to uh, add on and glean what uh, the gentleman's just saying here as far as um, he said when you have a difficult person to work with, it's always like, you know, what would you do in terms of, uh, you know, addressing the matter and then what Anwar said in terms of uh, praising them. Um, the first thing you want to do obviously is, in an example I had a, a, a few reps in the course of my time um, not everyone's going to stick, right? <laughs> it's just the truth of the matter. Yeah, it not is. everybody's going to stay at a company. And this is what you were talking about over the course of time when you develop that tool set. Uh, not every rep is going to fit a company and not every boss is going to fit that rep. Um, but you try to be universal and, um, you know, obviously fit everyone's personality to the wise where everybody can work together as a group to move as a team and not individual superstars. Because what happens is, you know, reps will look at that superstar and say, I don't think I can do that. So that individual has to understand that he's a leader in them himself. Mm -hmm. You'll always have one person, two, three, maybe a few in the bunch that kind of rise above and they're a little bit better than the others. Mm -hmm. So you delegate. And I've noticed the art of delegation is key because um, every leader has sub-leaders that makes the team itself. Every president has a vice president. Every big corporation has chair members, right? So you have that collective opinion because in the multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. Mm -hmm. So you have these counsels to give you that wisdom that's needed in, in a wise that if there's a rep that's not cooperating or he has some challenging issues, the first thing is not to criticize or not to you know kind of point the finger and say he's doing bad, he needs to do better, or in some cases, just fire him. No, find out about the person. Find out what's not ticking and find out if we can tweak a few things, maybe in his performance, maybe in his approach. Maybe the overall system itself is flawed and we have to reinvent certain things for that individual. 
not micromanaging him, but giving him another approach, another yeah. avenue out so that he can maybe be good at something else. He may not be good at cold calling or he may not be good at, you know, presenting in front of individuals, but he may be good analytically and we didn't just didn't know that. And we couldn't find that out unless if we talked and listened. Right. And then praise the fact that, oh, you're doing good at something and maybe this doesn't fit because something's not good for everybody. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I believe that, you know, honest appreciation is key and to be genuine as a leader. And also, as a leader, to understand that you have other leaders in your group, and you can't feel, you know, intimidated by that. You have to use their strengths and use them to say, "Hey, listen, you can empower them as well, so that we're more collective instead of just one person praising the individual." No, the whole team, because as we know, it takes a village to raise. So, in the case of a company, it takes the whole group to empower to feel better, versus just one individual as a leader. Awesome, man. Awesome answer right there, man. I definitely, I've, I've learned from what you just said, <laughs> literally. And I'm pretty sure the audience will love this. So um, I kind of want to do a little game right here. Not really a game, but kind of a riddle. So I have a question, and I want each of you guys to give me your opinion on what you think the answer is, basically. So what is the most important sound to any person in any language? Again, I'm going to repeat myself. What is the most important sound to any person in any language? I'll start with you, Charles. Yeah, to any person in any language, the most important thing that when you say it, they'll love it, basically. To any person in any language. Your smile. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, but what, like, one thing you say, though, like, not one thing you do, but one thing you say, it's, it's, you're kind of close, but it's not something that you do, it's something you say, and they hear it, and they're really familiar with what it is. You're getting a raise. <laughs> <I like> that. <laughs> that's, like, you know, money motivates. Like that's, that. that's funny. <laughs> Go ahead, Jerry. Um, on what you did say sound, right? A sound. Yeah, the most important. So I think it's a word, though. I, oh, it's a word. Whatever. I thought I thought Whatever. it was a sound. Yeah. I think a universal sound in any language is <laughs> because that clap is obviously you know applaud and an applause or praise. Um, and you know even if you touch on you know other avenues or verticals or even you know places like religion, we. Praise. This is a this is a sound of praise. So that clap when you when we close a deal or a big deal, mm -hmm. everybody in the company is <laughs> everybody knows that clap. Who's clapping? That clap is universal. Where anybody hears a clap, they're clapping for some sort of praise. So that's right. what I believe. And that goes with the empower that empowers you, as yeah, you mentioned. Exactly. You know, who doesn't like to get hand clap? Good job. I have four sons when I clap. Good job. They love it. You know, people eat that up. I mean, I eat that up. <laughs> so. Um, I actually, great answer, man. I actually didn't think about it from your perspective, but that's that's a great answer. Like, this is actually something that it, it opened up my mind in a way. But what I was thinking personally, and again, there's no right or wrong answer to this. All of you guys are right. But the thing is, the word I was looking for is it's pretty simple. You guys will be like, well, what the hell? Like, someone's name. Oh, wow. Like, I didn't think of that. Someone's name is the most important sound to them. That's good. That's good. Anywhere, like, when, no matter if they are born in Senegal, but they're in Japan, whatever. If you know how to say that, say their name, 
correctly and the right way. Right there, you made them feel special. And it's a connection you just made. Exactly. And as you said, like the the whole clapping, praising, that's actually great too because that makes people feel special. It makes people feel empowered. And coming back to someone's name, basically, I want to give a tip. Like, let's say you met someone. And you've, you've been around that person multiple times, whatever, but you kind of forgot their name. Like, one tip I have is if you want to know their name, but you don't want to make it seem like you forgot, you can just say this. Um, what's your full name? Mm. When you say what's your full name, they're not going to think you don't know their name. They're going to think like, oh, this person wants to know my last name, like my right. whole name. That's so funny. right there, they're going to say, oh. My full name is Anwar Jamal Cannon, but people call me this. Then, boom, right there you have their name, and you can keep saying it to make them feel like, to make them feel special, make it feel like you guys have a personal connection. That was my two cents. <laughs> you guys can go back to it. That's interesting. That's interesting. And it's true, because I remember we're all identified by a name. Yes. And our name carries purpose. In my industry, you know, we say you make a name for yourself. So I'm a little guy still, but I've still made a name for myself because the street is really small. What I mean by street, Wall Street is small, mm -hmm. even though it's a large industry, but people know the names in the industry that's making noise or making an impact and raising money and making money because, you know, in the end, that's what it's about other than, you know, the connections and relationships. So, you know, we're identified by the name. It's just not, oh, that guy over there. So that name is, is powerful in terms of identifying and you know, uh, a, a sound or, 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 or a name itself that uh, you can identify and you can obviously relate to. And that connection, as you mentioned, is automatically there. And that respect and that empowerment, I am somebody, you know, my name is. And then, you know, your yes. name obviously carries, you know, that, that power along with it and that reputation. Yeah, and that goes a long way because as Anwar said, your name is one of the most important things to you. When you hear it, you turn every single time. You, there's no escaping your name. So there's some bosses or some leaders that might not even know their employees. They, they really wouldn't know you if they saw you on the street. And that is a prime example of the disconnect that can exist between the leadership and the people that are supposed to be under that person. So as you, like that little hack, that life hack that Anwar dropped, right. if you think about it, if you met a potential business partner, somebody that maybe can invest in your business, and you had to sit down with them, even if it was 10 minutes, if you see them in the next week, you bumped into them, you forgot their name versus you remembered their name and you gave them a nice handshake with their name. That is a big level of difference between that business relationship, you know? So it's something small like that adds to your influence and your, your leadership just by remembering the people that you come across with. Obviously not everybody, but really give it that effort. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah, for I me. I know you have something. <laughs> no, for I like me, that. it was, I like that. yeah, it's just basically, I, I believe, yeah, your name is definitely important. Um, definitely being part of any type of setting in life, I believe, uh, most important. I think a lot of people will probably see if you've ever been in, a, in some type of business setting. It's usually the individuals that are more at the top that seem to be more of the guys that are, or girls, women, excuse me, that are more humbled. And what I mean by that to say is, again, as the people that usually are, quote unquote, the CEOs, the executives, this and that, they hold a way to want to know more information. They want to know the, the more key information. 
that might even be an individual's name. Of course, they might not actually. You might never have that interaction being at the at the bottom all the way to you know the top. But my point to say the individual that they do interact with, they do want to learn more about it, them. They do want to ask certain questions that you might not always feel that you're getting from quote unquote your boss and or manager, however you want to word that. But my point to say is, and I'm gonna kind of tie in um, just to kind of uh, close out. But my point to say is what we kind of were stressing in terms of saying the power of influence through leadership is basically what is being taught to the next generation. Uh, we're basically, well, I would say my team right now is in a basically millennials. They want to say millennials are the individuals that basically have taken over for the most part, because this is our time, as they would say, right? Um, basically, you have the baby boomers that are the older people getting kind of, you know, saying their their time is kind of ending. Um, I forget the individuals below. I think they're Gen X or Gen Y. I don't remember the exact thing. But then, but then the millennials. Millennials are the innovators, the risk takers. We're in a techno technological um, age where everything is information. Um, whatever we go on, whether it be through social media, whether it be through the relationships that we have, um, even with friends, family, girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, everything is information. You learn something new. Uh, my brother said this quote one time, you could be married to a woman for 20-something years and find out something new about her every day. Uh, vice versa. So my point to say is be, being, being in the world of information, you want to learn more about the individuals that you're basically leading, you're trying to make an impact on. I think in this world, you always want to leave something for the next generation. As millennials, business owners, individuals that work nine to five jobs every day, um, individuals that are thinking about starting something outside of maybe a job they may be sending now that they're like, okay, maybe I want to do something outside of this. You have to do something that's the solution to the world's problem. That is what basically showcases the individuals that are the next game changers, as they want to say. Because, again, there are so many problems in this world, but your company, your idea, your work, you want to add value to something, you always want to have to basically fix the problem. Again, when you work in a setting, I'll give a quick example, and then I'm going to close out to Jerry. But example, if I'm... If I'm in a, in a work setting and then my manager tells me something like, oh, um, I need this by this time. Okay, so you're doing your regular work, but what are you doing outside of that to get, get you that notoriety? Everybody that's basically, if you're, I hope if you're working in the job, you want to ha have something that brings value. You want to you wanna feel like you're bringing value to the team. Sometimes when you do deal with managers like that, that don't really care to basically want to teach you, that always want to take something on, what you want to tell yourself as well is basically that what am I doing that I can basically be be the innovator, be somebody that could do something that, you know, they don't necessarily have to tell me every time to do. That I can, of course, keep it in balance in terms of the what you're doing. Don't do something to get yourself in trouble, but you do something that basically is going to make them say, okay, I like that this person's doing that. Like, I like that he's, he or she's thinking outside the box as to what they're doing. So my point to say is whatever setting you're in, whatever you're doing in life, what are you doing that's the solution to a problem around you? Jerry? Yes. I mean, I'm just going to pass it off to Jerry because we do have to wrap it up soon. So I would love Jerry to speak on whatever we were just saying. Right. Yeah, of course. So um, just to wrap it up, uh, as Charles was saying, um, give it your all. Don't cheat yourself. 
you know, you go in every day to a job. You may not be a CEO yet, um, and I wasn't. I didn't start that. But be a visionary for your own self. Look at yourself every day in the mirror before you go out. Say, I am somebody. Wherever you are, use that as experience and obviously knowledge to bring you to whatever level that you want to be. Not everybody wants to be a leader, but they want the flexibility as a leader. And whatever that flexibility is, whatever definition you have for success, not everything that equates to money is success. So don't cheat yourself on life. Give it your all, like Charles saying, and be an innovator, be solution driven, and stand out amongst the pack. And work and work hard. You know, things in life doesn't come easy. Money doesn't come easy, and it only gets there by hard work, determination, and commitment. Commit your all, and don't, like I said, cheat yourself. If you're somewhere where you don't want to be, put your resume out somewhere else. If you want to work for a big company, a Goldman Sachs, you know, a media company, any other company that you really feel that it won't be a job when you go at the end of the day, but just a certain lifestyle that you want to add because you love what you do, it doesn't become a job anymore, and the money's just a by factor of it. So I just want to leave you guys with that, and... You know, as far as Trinity's concerned, you know, I appreciate the humble beginnings. And if any of you out in the audience are out there that are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and you're looking for capital and you just don't know where to go, come to Trinity Capital Advisors and we'll help you. Yes, of course. And uh, by the way, would you want to tell them your website yeah. and how they can reach out to you? You can reach me, Trinity Capital Advisors. It's not advisors with an ORS in the end. We kind of try to distinguish ourselves. So Trinity Capital advisors and that's a d v i s e r s dot com and you can see and check out our services uh drop a line drop a message and we'll love to help of course and uh, i do want you to kind of mention like what trinity capital has done when it comes to taking some companies uh in the public scale and getting their name out there right so we create varying perceptions so as a solopreneur if your goal is to get out to the public market and have a ticker symbol we can do that if your goal is just to obviously get your tech, your product, your service out there and become scalable where you can become a leader and the CEO of your own company. We can do that as well. There's certain verticals that we use. We get creative in our aspect and we obviously help the financing aspect of it to bring you through those processes. Great. And you've brought two companies public, correct? Correct. So we had InterOil, which was an oil company uh, back in the early 2000s. It was a public company. Just a shell company that were doing vertical exploration in ground that they knew there was oil in. And once they hit the oil, they obviously were generating barrels over the course of the day. Stock went from $0.08, cents, $0.10 cents to as high as 81 mm -hmm. So that was our claim to fame. And then we had another company, Delmar Pharmaceuticals. They were a biotech company, had a novel drug, and uh, they became publicly traded. Right now, there's trading a little bit below a dollar last time I checked, but we drove it as high as $4. So we're appreciative of that. And... Uh, you know, we try to do our best with the companies that we help. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. That's, no, that's, I, hope, I hope you guys got a lot of information. You guys were wrote down some information, took some notes. Trust me. Thank you, Jerry, so much for coming. No, no problem. Thank you. Thank you, Anwar. Thank you, Rami. Um, again, we will have his website posted on our social media platforms. Um, I'm going to let these guys wrap up with me. But I just want to say... Um, Yes, check us out. We are on Apple, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube um, for our viewership. Thank you.
Thanks again for everybody for listening. Jerry, we really appreciate it. Look forward to, you know, possibly doing business in the future. And anybody out there in the audience that's listening, just like Jerry, if you have a business or you're an entrepreneur in your own right and you would like to come on our podcast, feel free to reach out to us either in the comments, via email, anything. And you guys have our information, hopefully by now. Yo, let's give it out for yeah, Jerry, man. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's clap it up. Let's clap it up. Thanks for having me again, guys. You guys are the best. Man. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys have a great one.